0: Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, we determine with me to Psalm uh, chapter 78, Psalm chapter 78 in your Bibles. Psalm 78, and then we're going to read from verse 65 uh, to the end of the chapter. So when you get to Psalm chapter 78, and you're at verse 65, if you would stand to your feet for the reading of God's word, this morning. Amen. Psalm 78 and verse 65. We're picking up the reading from the word then. Psalm 78 and verse 65. Let us all read it together. Then the Lord awaked as one out of sleep, and like a mighty man that shouted by reason of wine, and he smote his enemies in the hinder parts, he put them to a perpetual reproach. Moreover, he refused the tabernacle of Joseph, chose not the tribe of Ephraim, but chose the tribe of Judah, the Mount Zion, which he loved. And he built his sanctuary like high palaces, like the earth, which he had established forever. He chose David, also his servant, took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes, great with young. He brought him to feed Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance." So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Father, this morning, we just pray for your help and for your anointing upon your word. Lord, wherever your word is preached today across these nations, we ask that you would give great help, that you would anoint it and that you, Lord, would work mightily in these final years, final days, final moments of time. Lord, we pray for your help, both on the preacher and on the listeners. Lord, give us ears that hear, hearts that are tender. Lord, that by your Spirit today, that Jesus Christ alone would be glorified through the proclamation of your word. Oh God, we do need you so much. We do need you to come. And we believe, Lord, that when we stand and open your word, that you have promised that you would put your word in our mouths. And Lord, that you would use it for the extension of your kingdom, we ask all these things in Jesus' name, Amen. You may take your seats this morning. Praise the Lord. I want to draw your attention to the first word in Psalm 78 and verse 65. The word is "then." Then. I want you to think about that word. And I want you to hold that word. Then. Then. The Lord awaked. As one out of sleep. He that keepeth Israel. He neither slumbers nor he sleeps. But this is figurative language. Of a time. A moment. Often suddenly. Suddenly. That the Lord awakes as one out of a sleep. The awakening of God is something that is quite wonderful. Quite awesome. It is marvelous. It will leave men and kingdoms of the world in awe. When the Lord awakes, not that He's sleeping, but when He awakes, when Israel marched through that great wilderness, and I believe the Lord has confirmed His word this morning, it was just an awesome sight to behold. God led His people as He gathered them and delivered them out of the hand of the enemy and led them out. And all His splendor, and all His glory, and all His majesty, and all His power, He came and He delivered His people and He led them forth by His great hand. And He brought them down by the way of the sea. We know the story. And the enemy would pursue them and press them. And God made a way when there was no way. He displayed His glory in the sea. His majesty upon the enemies of Israel as he led his people through on dry ground. This sight of the Lord leading his people through the great wilderness, of course, is something that is just beyond our comprehension often. And the majesty and the glory of Christ God in the midst of his people. A pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. And you know the wonder of it all in the midst of it as you look at this and as you grasp it for a moment how God would, with the integrity of His heart and with the skillfulness of His hands, He would feed them and He would guide them every single step of the way. The sight must have been awesome. In Numbers chapter 10, if you turn to it, and verse 34, in Numbers chapter 10 and verse 34, Israel never moved until the cloud moved. Never moved until the cloud moved. In Numbers 10 and 34, it says these words, And the cloud of the Lord was upon them by day. And when they went out of the camp, and it came to pass when the ark set forward. What happened at that moment as the cloud had rested upon the ark and the people of God had encamped around the ark Because God was center of everything. He was first. He was their everything. He was their source. He was their supply. He was their protector. He was their healer. He was their deliverer. He was their wonder. And he was their God. He was the center of everything. And when that cloud above that ark would begin to rise up. Moses would rise up with the people of the Lord. And everyone knew it was time to move. It was time to move. Everybody knew it was time to pull the pegs out of these tents, to lift everything together, to bring everything down. We are now going to move because God's moving. No one moved before it, but once God began to move, everyone in the camp and every tribe, everybody was moving together because God was on the march. Then it says these words, that Moses would stand up and knew what he would declare. He would say, rise up, Lord. Let your enemies be scattered and let them that hate thee flee before you. What a sight. And the trumpets would begin to be declared because that's how they communicated to the tribes and the millions of people that now were about to move. And Moses would declare, Lord, rise up. Let your enemies be scattered. Lead the way, Lord. Let everyone that hates you flee before you. Who can stand before the Almighty? The people of God would begin to pack up. They didn't have much. They kept it simple because they were pilgrims. They were on a journey. They didn't dig the tent pegs way deep down into this world. They knew they were moving. It's very profound very profound, this word, then. Then. I want you to think of this word this morning, then. It is often ignored, the word then, in Scripture. It is often that the following part is taken and the previous part is left. But then is crucial. Then is crucial. It's what follows next in order of position. Then, that means there's something previous to this. Let me look at a few important thens. Anyone know this one? Second Chronicles 7 and 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, then, and only then will I hear from heaven, will I forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Do you see the then? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 11. And verse 22, listen carefully. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 22. The Lord says these words speak to the people as they come through that great wilderness. Now they're about to enter in. They're about to possess the land. And God has led them to this point, And now he speaks and says, For if, Deuteronomy 11 and 22, For if you shall diligently, diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him. Then, do you see the then? Then will the Lord drive out all the nations from before you, and ye shall possess greater nations mightier than yourselves. Every place whereon the soldier of your feet shall tread shall be yours, from the wilderness of Lebanon, from the river The river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea, shall your coast be. There shall be no man be able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that ye shall tread upon, as he has said unto you. Do you see the then? Look over in Matthew chapter seven. Here's another then. It's a sobering then. It's the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen carefully this morning, that they are so important, so crucial. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Matthew 7, 21, he said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my father which is in heaven, many shall say unto me in that day, Lord. Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in thy name we have cast out devils, and in your name we have done many wonderful works. And then, and then, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Then you would probably agree with me, I think, this morning, that in the figurative sense in the age and the time in which we're living in, that somehow in all of this, in a figurative sense, we know he isn't, we know his hands upon our lives, we know he loves us, we know he's guiding us, we know he blesses us, we know he keeps us. But in a broader sense, you would probably agree with me that it would seem that he is one, in the figurative sense, he is like one that is asleep. He is like one that is asleep. How, why do I say that? I say that because, brothers and sisters, this morning, we are seeing the The wickedness arising rapidly. We're seeing the rulers of darkness and principalities and powers holding communities and people and young people gripped by the powers of darkness and fear. We see the decay of our society. We see the mental health issues rising rapidly. We see suicide is rampant. We see that our government have no thought of God. We see that our communities are ravished by immorality and demonic powers. And it seems in a figurative sense that we're saying, Lord, would you awake? He is like one that is asleep. He is not asleep, but he is like one that is asleep. We see the decay. We see the wickedness. It grieves us. We see the laws that they're pushing through. One man has given himself all the power to introduce a wicked law in our nation. And it's like if no, he is one that is asleep. We see the apathy and the decay and the indifference amongst even God's people as tragic, indifferent, not really concerned, not really concerned, no real concern. With the testimony of Christ. And a world that's going to hell. As fast as it can. But not really concerned. Not really moved. I'm thankful. Greatly thankful. For even the ruling that's come through in the courts. In Scotland this week. Of a judge. Of a judge. That said. To dictate to the petition petitioners, or to an additional party that henceforth or even for the duration of the pandemic worship to be conducted online is unlawful. Online might be alternative to worship but the old judge said it's not worship. Over these months as many have said and we've said little about it you're acting unlawful. The old judge says the government's been unlawful and yet many will be unmoved or unchanged by these events. Let me tell you something if the judge had said that the government was right I'm going to tell you something I still would have been meeting in the house of God. The word then is crucial. The word then, I want you to, would you say then? Amen. The chapter is quite long, so we'll not read it all. But I want to tell you what comes before the then. Then you'll understand perhaps why and our desire to see God move and our longing for God to intervene you might be able to grasp something of why we haven't seen him do it yet. It opens in chapter 78 with the psalmist saying, O my people, give ear. Give ear to my law and incline your ears to, to the words of my mouth. God is pleading for his people to turn your ears towards me. Turn your ears off from other things, but get your ears and get your attention upon my word. It's so important because what I want you to do, don't hide, don't hide my word. Show my word, show my wonders to your children. Declare to them the great things that the Lord has done and the wonderful works that the Lord has done for you. Let them know what I've done. That they may set their hope in God and not forget, listen, there's a then here, not forget the works of God. Don't be like your fathers, he says. Don't be like a stubborn and a rebellious generation that did not set their heart aright and whose spirit, that's verse 7, was not steadfast with God. Don't be like that, but remember what I've done for you. Don't forget the goodness of God. Don't forget the wonders of our God. Don't forget the miracles of our God. Don't forget how our God has led you and brought you through all your trials and your troubles and your valleys and your prison houses and your times of emptiness. I have been there, but don't forget about me. And he begins to talk about their fathers. They turned back, Ephraim, verse 9, turned back in the day of battle. They had the weaponry, they had the bows, they had everything that they required for the battle. But you know what they did? When the battle was on, they turned away. They refused to walk in his law, they forgot his work and his wonders. Marvelous things, marvelous things did he do in the sight of their fathers. In the land of Egypt. He divided the sea. He caused them to walk through. Made the waters to stand on a heap. He led them with a cloud. And all by night with the light of fire. He cleaved the rocks in the wilderness. He gave them the drink out of great depths. Streams also out of the rock. And he caused the waters to run down like rivers. What a mighty God we serve. I know what happened. Listen. Remember then. They sinned yet more against him. They sinned more against him. They tempted, verse 18, God in their heart by asking for meat for their lust. Do you know what they said? They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? This is the God that saved them out of Egypt. This is the God that displayed His glory and His wonder, brought them out of the hand of Pharaoh, right through the Red Sea. And you know what they were saying? Can God furnish a table for us in the wilderness? I mean, where's God now? Nobody did. He smote the rock. Waters come gushing out. Streams overflowed. They said, Can He give us bread also? And he provided flesh for his people. And the Lord heard this. And he was wroth. Because, why verse 22? Because they believed not in God. And trusted not in his salvation. Even though, verse 23. He commanded the clouds from above. He opened the doors of heaven. He rained down manna upon them to eat. He given them corn of heaven. It says in verse 25 that man did eat angel's food. Man did eat angels' food and sent them meat to the fool. It's awesome what God was doing for his people and blessing them and keeping them and delivering them and feeding them. They ate angels' food. And they did eat, verse 29, they were filled. And he gave them their own desire. They were not estranged from their lust. But even while, listen, while the miracle was in their mouth. While the meat was in their mouth, that's what it says. While the miracle of angels' food was sitting in their mouth. The wrath of God came upon them. For all this, and all the goodness of God, and all the blessings of the Lord... And all his wonderful acts, they believed not his wondrous works. Therefore, their days did he consume in vanity and their years in trouble. Do you know when he chastised them? Verse 34 says, They sought him. When things really started to go wrong, they began to turn back to God. And they began to inquire of the Lord. And they remembered that God was their rock and the high God their redeemer. But verse 36 says this. Listen carefully. This is all about them. Verse 36 says, Nevertheless, they did flatter him with with their mouth. And they lied unto him with their tongues. For their heart was not right with him. Neither were they steadfast in his covenant oh they turned back because the trouble the times were tight it was difficult they, they, they were losing their peace and their joy and they turned back but their heart their, wor- their heart wasn't wholly back with their might they were saying God I need you but in their hearts you see God as a God of the heart Man looks on the outward, but God is looking on the heart, and so He had blessed them. The Bible says the goodness of God brings a man or a woman to repentance. God's blessings have been abundant upon us. Abundant. Overflowing with the blessing of the Lord. God's been so good to you, even if you're here and you're not saved or you don't know the Lord or you're a backslider. God's been so faithful. God's been so good. He's a faithful God. His mercies are new every morning. His faithfulness is at the night. God is a faithful God. And yet in all of that, they kept turning away. Can you believe it? Can you understand? Can you grasp it? I mean, they've seen the miracles. They heard of the wonderful testimonies of the Lord. And yet they weren't really interested. They were, they were consumed with the things of the world. Verse 38 is a wonderful verse. It says these words But he, but he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. If he was to mark our transgressions, brothers and sisters, who would stand? His mercy. Do you know what he did? He destroyed them not. Yea, many a time. Turned he his anger away. I am so thankful that many a time he's turned his anger away from me. Many a time, what I deserved, this is the grace of God. I didn't get it. But I did sure deserve it. In verse 39, you know what he said? He said he remembered, listen carefully, he remembered that they were but flesh. And you know what we are, friends, this morning, listen, everybody in this room, whether you're saved or not saved, listen. I want you to listen carefully. He remembers we're all but flesh. Here's another thing. Listen, listen carefully because there's a world that doesn't really want to face up to these facts. And we are a wind that will pass away and not come again. Listen carefully now, because I want you to listen. We're living in a world where everyone wants to try and extend their years by doing all manners of silly things. Every type of thing and every type of pill that you can imagine to try and get a few extra years. The vanity of man. The Bible says it's appointed on the man once to die. GM says our lives, you know it so well, Or just like a vapor of air. We appear for a time the Lord remembers. Do you know all we are? Listen. Listen carefully this morning. Listen so carefully. Do you know all we are? We are just but a wind that passes away. That's what God said. We are here just for a very, really, a very, very, very short space of time. You know, I believe in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to also say this. He may not come this year or next year or in the next 10 years or in the next 50 years or even in the next 100 years or 200 years. I believe His return is imminent but no man knoweth the hour. But if He delays His coming I want you to listen, we're just but a wind. I'm sorry, maybe you might think you're more than that, but we're just a wind. We're going to pass away and we're not coming back. You've got one life to live and it will soon be over. Listen carefully, friends. In a world that doesn't want to face death, doesn't want to die, doing everything to try and prevent death, And even in amongst the church, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. But I don't want to die. Petrified of death. Our lives are but a wind. Let me tell you something, friends. No man knoweth the hour or the moment that we are going to be absent from this life. Today could be my last day. I'll use myself as an example. I don't boast in tomorrow, but today could be my last day on this planet. Could I also say this? Today could be your last day on this planet. Oh, but I'm young. Let me tell you something. The young die and the old die, but everyone will die. And in the sense of youth, and I understand this when you're younger, you never think it's going to happen to you. Well, let me tell you something. Listen carefully. In 50 years' time, most people in this room won't be here. What? In 40 years' time, some people won't be here. In 30 years' time, some people won't be here. In 20 years' time, some people won't be here. In 10 years' time, some people won't be here. In 5 years' time, some people won't be here. In 3 years' time, listen carefully, some people may not be here. In a year's time, who knows, some of us may not be here. Why? Because we're just like the wind and will not come back. Will not come back. The Bible tells me that death is swallowed up in victory. Saints, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God that gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I have never witnessed a time in my lifetime, maybe you have if you've lived longer, where I've seen so many within the church of Jesus Christ afraid of death. We sing the song, there's coming a day. What a day. And we're petrified of Dan. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. I pray that the song is more than a nice tune, and it is, but it's a reality, because I do want to see him. Death seems in this context of which we're living, and fear has somehow gripped not only our world, but it even has infiltrated like a tsunami in amongst those that have a hope. You no, know, years ago when I was a kid, I remember I was a program on. So all these young people, they were all dancers. It was called Fame. The song says Fame, I want to live forever. I'm gonna tell you something, I'm gonna live forever. But I If Christ does not come, I'm going to pass through the valley of the shadow of death. But I will fear no evil. Why? We're different. Saints, we're different. We're different from the Muslims. We're different from the atheists. We're different from this world. We have a hope in these earthen vessels. And it's Jesus. Am I begging to die? No. But do I know I will? Yes. Is this a morbid message? No, it's victory for the believer. How often, verse 40 says, they'd provoke him in the wilderness. How often they'd grieve him in the desert. How often they'd turn back and they'd tempt the Lord. And you know what they'd do? They'd limit the Holy One of Israel. They didn't remember his hand nor the day when the Lord delivered them from their enemy. Is there anyone being delivered from the enemy here? Do you remember the day you were delivered? My God, this morning we were delivered from the hand of the enemy. What a precious sense of the presence of the Lord. He sought me. Thank God he bought me. Thank God he cleansed me. Thank God he's going to bring me home to glory. But they didn't remember what he'd done. Have you forgot what he's done? Oh, those precious testimonies the last few weeks to hear Morris, the hand of the Lord upon his life and how he saved them and served my Oh my God, isn't it wonderful? is not wonderful to hear a testimony of God's hand on a life and how he delivers them, how he keeps them, how he skillfully leads them and guides them like the great shepherd. He's the great shepherd and he delivers us. And he recounts how he delivers them time and time again. Verse 52, he made his own people go forth like the sheep. He guided them in the wilderness like a flock. Is the Lord your shepherd? Can you say this morning, the Lord is my shepherd? And he leads them safely, verse 53. Listen to this friend this morning. Believers, listen. He led them on safely so that they, what does it say? Feared not. He led them. we're sheep, we're being led, and if we're being led by his hand. We have nothing to fear. What have I to fear? What have I to dread? I'm leaning on the everlasting arms of God. This world's filled with fear, but I have a shepherd, one I know so well. He's going to lead me. But the sea overwhelmed their enemies. Verse 56 says, yet they attempted and provoked the Most High, They turned back and they dealt unfaithfully like their fathers. They turned aside like a deceitful bow, for they provoked him to anger with their high places. They moved him to jealousy with their graven images. Verse 59 says, When God heard this, he was wroth and he greatly abhorred Israel, so that he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent which he placed among men. I want you to stop for a moment. Listen. God is sovereign. I I can't fully grasp all of this. But God chooses whom he will reject. And God chooses whom he will bless. Because he's God. Shiloh was was an amazing place. Where the tabernacle, where the ark rested. Do you know where Shiloh was? you remember Hannah? Remember Hannah in scripture she had a barren womb? You remember as she came and she sought the Lord and the adversary was against her and she's being harassed by the enemy and what she'd do is she would get down before the Lord. she began to intercede before the Lord. And what happened at Shiloh? The Lord blessed her and gave her a son and his name was Samuel at Shiloh. What happened at Shiloh was that Samuel, as he was dedicated unto the Lord, and put into that temple, and he was cleaning up, and he was brushing the floors, and he was opening the temple doors as a young boy, and in the middle of the night at Shiloh, the Lord said, Samuel! And he didn't know, and he sought the Eli, and Eli directed him, and after that third time, he said, here am I. Lord, Shiloh. Shiloh was also the place that we hear the words Ichabod. No longer will I dwell there. The glory has departed. Why? Because of Eli and his sons, how they handle the things of God. You see, God will come to a place where He's comfortable. Listen carefully where He's come. What is that place where there's a heart that's tender? And there's a life that's saying, God, I'm weak and lowly, but thou art the Almighty. Would you come and would you touch my life? And you know, all of heaven moves just down into that simple vessel. that says, God, oh, I need you. You see, Israel didn't need him. And so it tells us here that he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh. He forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh. Then, what happened? Then, we read in verse 65, that the Lord awaked as one out of sleep. Like like a mighty man that shouteth by reason of wine. Has anyone ever heard a mighty man shout by reason of wine? anybody ever heard that? I'm sure there's a few in here did it. Suddenly there's a burst and forth there's an intervention of the Lord. it's like he awakens but why did he awake? Why did he come? Why in the whole testimony of Psalm 78 is God's faithfulness, their own faithfulness? God constantly bless them, but they keep turning away. Even when the miracle's in their mouth, they were sinning in their heart against them. No matter what he did to bless them, they still turn from him. And yet then suddenly we see that he awakes. Some might say this morning, Hey, Brother. This is all Old Testament stuff. We're under grace. We're we're under the new covenant. Did you not know that we're actually in the new covenant? This seems like very Old Testament stuff. And can I tell you, brother or sister, if you take a wee look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, you'll see that Paul the Apostle takes this chapter and deals with it line upon line and tells us, that he does not want us to be ignorant or like our fathers. That we're under the cloud and passed through the sea. And we're baptized under Moses in the cloud and the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat and drink the same spiritual drink. And do you know who that was? That was Jesus. Listen, the rock was Jesus. The water was Jesus. The manna was Jesus. The Passover as we heard. It's all Christ. Christ is our Passover. It's all him. Then it says in verse 5, but with many of them God was not well pleased. They over, he overthrew they, they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things, he says, are written for our example, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted, neither should we be idolaters as some of them, as the people, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. And neither let us commit fornication. That some of them committed. You know, the Lord knows our acts. He knows our sins that are hidden, our secret sins. The Lord knows our dealings. The Lord knows what goes on in every life in this room. The Lord knows not only the act, but the eye. Now that we look with the eye that we've committed that in our hearts, God knows that we have hatred to a brother or sister in our hearts. It's murder. God said that. The Lord said that. That's the New Testament, brothers and sisters. And these are written for our example. Where are we in our spiritual walk? Where are we in our walk with Christ? As he's blessed us beyond measure time and time again. The blessings of the Lord's on our lives. And yet we won't serve him. We won't give him the praise or the adoration. We won't come in and worship him. We won't thank him for all that he's done. We're burning up all the things of our own flesh and the things of the world. And we're just a wind. We're going to be gone in a moment. The things that we fight over and we pick up on and the things that we murmur and complain about, friends. In a moment it's all over, you'll stand before the Lord. And they murmured and they were destroyed. Verse 9 says, Let us not tempt the Lord as they tempted Him, and they were destroyed of serpents. Tempting the Lord. This is in the New Testament, by the way. This is 1 Corinthians. This is in the book. This is under the New Covenant. This is under grace. Don't let us tempt the Lord. We'll be destroyed by the destroyer. Who is the destroyer? We give place to the devil. The Bible says, never give place to the devil. And they're examples. And they murmured, and some of them also murmured, they were destroyed. Why? They're always complaining. Listen, friends, there's nothing perfect about this church. The only thing's perfect is Jesus. The only person that's perfect is Jesus. You'll pick holes all over the place. You can stand and look at me all day. You'll find a million and one faults. My wife won't, but you will. You'll find a million and one faults. But if you're looking at me, you'll be disappointed. If you're looking at Stephen, you'll be disappointed. If you're looking at Brent, you'll be disappointed. If you're looking at anyone in here, you will be disappointed. But if you look to Jesus, you'll be never disappointed. And it may not be to your liking. And it may not be to what you like. And you may not like the organ or the piano. And you may not like it. I and sweat. But we're just wind. One day we're gone. One day we'll stand before him. You can sort it all out then, friends. You can talk to him all about it, all your lists of faults and troubles and why you think this, that and the other and what your prophetic stance is. You can sort it all out when you look at the Lord. Because the reality of it is that most of us I'm saying most because I don't want to offend the one who believes that they're completely right. But most of us will have something wrong in our prophetic eschatology and understanding. Did you know that? Did you know that? Friend, listen to me this morning. Did you know that in your understanding of prophecy, that you will be wrong in some areas? I know it may be a shocker for some. But somebody's going to get something wrong. Because we're so divided over all of it, somebody's going to get something wrong. That's not to say that we shouldn't study, that we shouldn't know, we shouldn't believe, or we shouldn't preach what we believe. But when it comes to a point, as someone said to me recently, I know everything that's going to happen prophetically. I near fell on the floor. Unreal. What a statement! I know everything that's going to happen prophetically. My God. Only Jesus knows. Have you ever heard anything like it? My God, help us. We're just wind. Sometimes more than others. We're going to be here. And the Lord's so gracious, so mighty, so wonderful. He says your life's going to be here for a wee time. Just a wee time. Your days are numbered. Your hairs are numbered. The very moment you take a last breath, on this side of eternity, God knows that very day. you know what our hope is? When we take our last breath, there's a hand that's going to lead us straight into glory. And then we'll see him face to face. These things happen, Psalm 78. Read Nehemiah chapter 9. Read other books where you see God constantly bringing forth his faithfulness, his faithfulness, God's faithfulness. He's faithful and his people's unfaithfulness. Yet he's still full of mercy. Paul says, Listen, don't complain. Stop murmuring. Don't always be giving out. Listen, it may not be the way you like it. It might be too warm some Sundays. My God, if that's what we're gone down to, I know it's warm. Hopefully a wee bit more early next door and you'll be happy. But please don't murmur. You may think this is, but friends, this is what people get caught up in. People get caught. Did you hear that child in that packet of sweets? My goodness, did his mother not do something? Well, maybe his mother should have done something. But friends, if that's your life, my God, we're wind. We're wind. If this is what we're reduced to, have we not forgot the wonders of what our God has done for us? If that's your focus. If that's your life, if that's what makes you tick about church, my God, we've missed it all. Not a bit of wonder the place is in the mess it's in. Not a bit of wonder that there's no concern for a lost world. Not a bit of wonder we're sitting apathy, not thanking the Lord, not praising the Lord, not worshiping the Lord. Why? Because we're caught up in the things of the world. We're committing fornication. We're in the depths of sin. And that's terrible sin. But we're murmuring and we're complaining and we're giving out. And that's sin too. That's sin as well. And these things are written. You remember they just complained in their tent. They had a miracle in their mouth. And while they had the miracle in their mouth, they were given out about God. Is this it? Is this it? Is this what it is? My goodness. Can you not see the blessing of the Lord? Can you not see the hand of God? Can you not see the goodness of God? Can you not see the mercy of God? Can you not see what God has done? Can you not see it? Actually, can you not? Can you not? Do you not even know that you're sitting in a miracle? Has God not blessed us, kept us, led us, guided us, blessed us beyond measure? Now, these were all written for our example, and they're written for our admonition. That word that's a warning or a rebuke, but it's written for us upon whom. The ends of the world are come. Wow! It's written for you. It's written for me. Wherefore let him that thinks maybe this morning there's someone sitting here. It's not for me. Hope she's getting it. No, that goes on the church too. I hope I hope she's getting it this morning. It's for her. It's not for me. Like no, this goes on the church. This actually goes on. This is sad. This it sad what we were reduced to. Someone's taken my seat. Someone's looked at me the wrong way. Someone didn't shake my hand. Friends, we need to get beyond all of this childish stuff. It's childish. There's a world that's going to hell as fast as it can. There's a world that still hasn't even heard the name of Jesus once. We're blessed. There's saints this morning in prison and being slaughtered for their faith and martyred and shedding their blood and will not buy for Jesus. Do you think they're worried about whether it's too warm or too long? It's a tragedy where we've come to. We've got food on our table. We say that sometimes and go... Yeah, we do. So what? Really? You know, one of the things that shows us where we are, you know, my boys will tell you, Nikki will tell you, if it's boot before you, you eat everything on that plate, whether you like it or you don't. Don't give me peas. Don't give me ca- It doesn't happen in my house. What's on your plate, you're eating. Whatever way it comes, isn't it right there? And it always, it's always perfect. But I tell you, we eat it all. Can you imagine. You think about it, friends. Think about it this morning. There's kids we give a right limb to have your dinner this afternoon. And the next time you shovel your cabbage and your peas and your Brussels to decide, you just think of it. for. I tell you, friends, if it's put before, you're supposed to eat it. But see, today, oh, well, we don't like it. Oh, we Jimmy doesn't like it, so we'll give him just this what he wants, and and then Peter will just get that there, and Sadie will get that there, and Mummy's cooking sixteen different meals. Come on, what's happened? What's happened to us? You know what's happened? We have an abundance. We're spoilt. These are warnings. It's God's dealing with us. Verse 68 says this, I'm closing. But he chose the tribe of Judah. Mount Zion. By the way, sorry, if there is something genuinely you don't like, I'm not saying you have to eat it. That's between you and your mummy. I know some people don't like Brussels sprouts, so I'm not trying to say you have to eat your Brussels every week. I understand that some people don't like it, but what I'm saying is we're spoiled with the we have everything, but we don't like anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, if you're not seeing it, I will gladly pay for your fur. Get on a wee mission trip, go to India or Africa, take six months out in the wee place where the wee pastor is there that the kids have been given. Just take six months out, go for it. Just have a wee look at it. Live with them, be with them, eat with them. You know what? You'll come back and you say, Oh God, I love Brussels sprouts. I tell you, Brussels sprouts will be absolutely something you'll love. Then, he chose Judah and Mount Zion. And he built his place there. That's where I'm going to dwell. I'm coming to Judah. That's what he said. I've rejected Ephraim, Shiloh, but I'm going to choose Judah. And I'm gonna choose Mount Zion and I'm gonna dwell there and build my sanctuary like high palaces, like the earth was established. Why? Why? Why did he suddenly? It says, then the Lord awakes. Why did he awake? Is it simply that the enemy was so dark? Partly. But you know what it really was? Do you know what it really was? He found someone. That's actually amazing. He found a man. God find a man, a human, wind like you and me, that's only here for a short, but he actually found one. He says, I've found someone. He chose David. I'll awake and I'll come. Why? I've found David, my servant, and I've taken him out of the sh- He was a nothing, he was a nobody. But God's seen his heart. And God came because He's seen His heart. God actually moved. He awaked as one out of sleep. I find someone, someone that I can come down to, and I can I can come down and make my tabernacle there, and I can dwell with them. I find a man. It's awesome. I find someone that just has a heart that He's after my own heart. And I've taken him. God said this. Concerning him, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. The psalmist says, I have found David my servant, with my holy oil have I anointed him. The Lord sought for a man that was after his heart. The Lord commanded him to be captain over his people, because he had not, because thy hast, he said this to Saul, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord had commanded you. And Samuel comes and anoints him with that oil. He just simply found. When he found, he found someone that just was after God. Do you know, listen carefully as we're closing. There's so much today. It's all different. All looks different. Different ideas. I understand that. Different convictions. I have them too. Different ways, different setups, different everything. Can I tell you something? I want you to listen so carefully because we have missed this. Do you know what God's actually really looking? He's just looking a heart that loves Him, wants to serve Him. Isn't perfect. Isn't isn't per- hasn't got it all together. But all that man really has, he just wants God. And do you know what happened? You know what the then is? Then, I just want God. I just want the Lord. That's all. I, I don't want any. I want Him. I want Jesus. I want to know Him more. I'm passionate for Him. I want to desire His presence. I want to be in His presence. I want to love Him. I want to live for Him. I want to serve Him. I want to rejoice in His presence. I want to... I long for Him. And you know what happened? Then, then, He was like one that awakened out of sleep. He was like a man that was full drunk and there was a roar come up. (coughs) I found the man. When the Lord is the center, the first, the desire. Let me tell you something, friends. We talked about as they rose up and the cloud ascended and they began to move and Moses says, rise up, Lord. Let me tell you something, friends, this morning. God is just looking at heart it will throw off the shackles, the reservations, the death, the apathy, the sin. But say, Lord, I just don't want anything else in this old world. I just want you. Lord, you're the center of my joy. Lord, you are truly my everything. And the Lord awakes like one out of a sleep. And he's coming for you. What the Bible says, it says concerning David that his heart was perfect before the Lord. We know his life certainly wasn't perfect, but his heart was perfect before the Lord. The Bible says this, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those heart that is perfect toward him. Then the Lord awaked. I believe there is a people I believe there's a people here but I believe there's a people across this land that heart is they want the Lord. That's what joins us. They want the Lord. That's our fellowship. They want Jesus. Friend this morning if you want him I want him. I know there's Many in this room want them. I tell you, friends, we can have this hope. Then the Lord awakes as one out of his sleep. And he comes. And that's where he dwells. How we need him in these days. Could I tell you something? How he wants to come is beyond what our desire is for him. He longs, he looks for that man or that woman. Our lives are but when. We're not coming back to do a second run. This is it, friend. This is the only life that you'll live is the one that you have. I pray that we'll all live it for him. We'll live it for him. Whatever days he gives us, whatever years he gives us, I pray that we'll all live it sold out for him. Sold out for him. I encourage you this morning, friend, just be sold out for Jesus. He'll come and dwell with you. You'll know his peace and his joy. There's nothing like it. This world can't give it. And There's nothing like him. Let's pray together this morning.